I've entitled this message this morning, Blessed are those who truly receive. The Thessalonian church, I saw this as an example for us today. The Thessalonian church, I've told you guys before, that is a working church. It was a suffering church. It was a church that received, and very few churches received commendation from Paul. But Paul commends the church of Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and starting with verse 3, I'm just going to read a little brief summary here. It says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of suffering with great joy given by the Holy Spirit. Here I want, and we're going to just remember this last part because we're going to come back to this. You became imitators of us and the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of suffering, severe suffering, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. I want you to remember that because it's what he's promoting here is not wealth or health or anything else. He's saying, in the midst of all this, what I'm going to give you is going to give you joy in the midst of your suffering. That's the backdrop for this message, this thriving church. I want you to know this morning, this church, how did they get to this place where they would be commended by Paul? Paul only spent three to six weeks with this church. That amazed me. That he spent three to six weeks with this church, and they were this thriving church. And, and he'd spent very little time with them. What made them church, this church stand out? What made them stronger? What made them complimented by Paul? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I found this beautiful passage that reminded me of our relationship as leadership and the congregation. Our relationship between church and leadership. In, verse, in chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he says, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you this gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. We, you know we never use flattery, nor do we put a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children. So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and our hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into the kingdom and glory. I don't know why this hit me so hard, but it because I believe it's my message to you. Is that I don't come with any other motive 
other than to say, listen, I want you to understand. I want you to know Him. I put aside everything else. I, I, you know, as Paul says there, we came to you as almost like children, as a mother who nurses her kids. I want to come to you in that same vein. What was the catalyst for their devotion and understanding? It's found in the next verse. In verse 13 of chapter 2, I found this reason for everything. He says it like this. And we also thank God continually because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Spurgeon says this about thanking God, because he starts off, he says, and I thank God continually. He says it like this, our gratitude to our God who has been lasting as life and constant as a bounty to which it bears witness. Our American friends have one Thanksgiving day in a year, but it was Thanksgiving day all year round with Paul, Silas, and Timothy when they thought about the Thessalonians. They felt as if they never could leave off thanking God for the Thessalonians, for they knew by sad experience that all churches were not the same happy kind. This church was distinct and different. There was something special about them. They had been impacted by the Word of God. This morning, that's what I say to you. I thank God for you. I thank God for some of you who have gotten a hold of God. He has impacted your life. You've been changed. You've been transformed. God is doing a work in us. I thank God for that. I'm, I'm, it, it makes my heart happy and joyful that some of us are going, yes, I desire that. I want more of that. Spurgeon goes on to express this. He says this. He says, these three godly ministers are holding what, if I can use a Greek word, I may call a holy eucharistical service, a service of thanksgiving. For this cause, we thank God without ceasing. It is a pleasant sight to see anyone, anybody thanking God. For the air is heavy with the hum of murmuring, and the roads are dusty with the complaints and lamentation. It is a delightful vision to see hardworking, earnest ministers of Christ meeting together, met together, and occupying their time with thanksgiving. For many waste their hours in speculations, doubtings, and, dis- and discussions. Paul begins expressing this here. He says, I thank God for this. In fact, he uses the same word when he says, continually thanking God. It's the same word he uses in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Continually, without any, with, without interruption, without any kind of interruption. It's this unnecessary interruption that we put ourselves in this place, that we give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. Even though Paul was not with them, he was. He prayed continually for them. Remember, I told you, he maybe spent six weeks with them. This is a call for us today to pray continually without unnecessary interruption. Praying for each other. Praying that God would enable us to get it. That our eyes would be opened. That we would fully see and comprehend what God has for us. Ray Pritchard on talking about prayer. He says this, prayer bridges the gap between people. 
You can be here, and they can be way over there. And through prayer, you can bridge the gap that separates you. Prayer spans the miles that separate us. Prayer overcomes the misunderstanding that separates us. Prayer leaps across the bad memories that pull us apart. Prayer nullifies the estrangement that keeps us from speaking. There can be bitterness and anger between you, even years of alienation. But that doesn't matter when you pray, because prayer bridges the gap between you and those you love. Your heart can touch their heart by simply the act of praying. What starts in your heart goes first to the Father's heart. Purified by the sunlight of His love, your prayer falls like an arrow in the heart of the one you love. Prayer can do that. You know, even in those places where you have a bad situation, maybe a family situation that's bad, but you continue to pray for them, when they all of a sudden, it changes, you know what, your heart isn't hard because you've been praying, you've been constantly, and that's what Paul was saying here, Paul was saying, even though there's a distance, I'm sitting in prison, I'm still praying for you, my thoughts are fond of you, Thessalonians. So he says there, we thank God continually. Because you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is. The word of God, which is indeed at work in you. He expresses two things here. He first says this. He says, you received the word. This Greek word is a word, it's, it's parabalamo. And it means this. From, to come alongside. Aggressively take. By showing strong personal initiative. The, the definition of it is, I take from, receive from, I take to, receive, apparently, and it doesn't mean with money, admit, acknowledge, and I take with me. He says here, they received this word. What made them different is that they received the word of God when it came. In fact, it's the same word used in Matthew chapter 120, where it talks about the angels talking to Joseph. It says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. They took the word, they, took, they, they embraced it. This initial receiving was the hearing of the word, then evaluating what was to come to their ears. So they heard it, and they received it, they took it in. The other part of this word is this, that sometimes, if you're not careful, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, it says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. The same word. The the same word is used there. So he's talking, he's guarding against people who would, or situations, or even teachings that you did not receive. Every time God opens that opportunity to us, the enemy would love to come in by whatever means, and he will use people to disrupt that. He'll use people, he'll use situations, he'll even use money. He'll use all these things to distract us from where God wants us to be. The second thing that he does here in 1 Thessalonians is he says this, and we thank God, and then he goes on to receive, you received the word which you heard from us, and you accepted it. The word, when he says you accepted it, it's a different word here. It's decamatio, and it means this. It means to receive something offered or transmitted by another. To take something into one's hand and so grasp. To be receptive to someone. To take a favorable attitude towards something. See, it's, it's what they were offering here. Paul was offering the Word of God, which was really God's Word all along. 
But he was offering it to them. You, but they then accepted it. They heard it, and then they accepted it. See, there's a, there's a difference that has to take place. You can hear the word all day long, and it can do nothing to you. I know people who've listened to Christian preachers all their life, but don't know what it means to fully accept, to pull it in. Because all it is, is just, it's just head knowledge. It goes in their ears... And that's where it stays. See, there was something different about the Thessalonians. They heard it, and then they accepted it. They embraced it. There's this word, I'm going to use a couple other definitions here from vines and a couple other ones. It says properly means to welcome. It's the receptive. It is that welcoming me of God. It's that receiving and sharing in salvation. It's that warmly receptive and welcoming. It's ready reception which is offered. The last down at the bottom there, he talks about it. It's in that middle voice, which means a high level of our involvement in this. It's the welcoming and receiving that we have to do. So I hear the word, and then I can either just let it sit there and reverberate in my head, or I can receive it, I can take it in, and I can own it as my own. That's what he's talking about here. That's what made these this Thessalonian people different. See, salvation is not wrought by mere casual faith, casual belief. But it is aggressively taking hold of what God is doing in us. It's our choice. We can either be casual and complacent, or we can be aggressive and receive that message. This receiving here, in fact, one man says it like this, one commentary says, The receiving evaluates the content of which is received from Paralabano. And from the Demesha, pictures an acceptance of approval or welcome denotes the more subjective reception. It looks like this. The bottom line is, I want you to look at the bottom, it says, In other words, the Thessalonians not only heard and intellectually understood the message, but they also appropriated it. They welcomed it into their hearts. There's a difference that takes place here. They don't just get it a head knowledge. I've said this before. The difference between heaven and hell is 18 inches. It's from here to here. It's that place where we, we fully, we make it ours. We take it in. How do we appropriate the word? By understanding it and receiving it into our hearts. Remember in the Old Testament, I talked about the, the, the word meditation. The word meditation there is a word gana, and it means to, to like, like an animal hovering over its food, to growl over it. That's what meditation, we always think meditation means, oh, I'm just going to sit over here and listen, oh, it feels so good. No, there's this activeness in meditation. Meditation is this, this, I'm, I, this is mine, I'm taking ownership of this, I'm receiving it. How do you take nourishment? You've got to put it in. You know what? Some of us want to just be fed. But God says, listen, this, for you to receive this, you have to take it in. That's what he's talking about here. There is this, Wearsby says it like this. Paralabano means simply to accept from one another, while the second means to welcome there is this part that the parabolamo means to hearing of the word. The other one means to hearing of the heart. The believers at Thessalonica not only heard the word, but they took it into their inner man and made it part of their lives. I think it's like James is saying, listen, you can't just be a, a hearer of the word only. You have to do it. It's like we put it into action. That's what this Thessalonian church, they understood that there was something more about this. That they couldn't just be a hearer, but it had to be something they welcomed in. 
So many times I hear people say they confess Jesus as Lord. But now Paul defines what it looks like to truly appropriate God in your heart. It's more than a head knowledge. It needs to be activated and aggressively taken in. So what is it they're receiving here? In, the, in, this, in this same verse, he says this, what you accepted not as human word, but you actually accepted it as it is, the Word of God. See, they accepted human words with the errors that man can make as God's words. Okay, let me say it like this. You embrace Greg's words as God's words without the error that Greg can make. You see what I'm saying? There is this place, God says, Paul, Paul will make errors, we're going to make mistakes. But in the midst of that, they accepted the words, they accepted what he was saying, and when they embraced it, they didn't just hear it, but they took it in. See, well, some of us today, as Christians, we say, well, I'm just going to sit here and let it hit me and penetrate me. I'm not going to actively engage in the word, I'm not going to actively do it. But see... The Thessalonians understood that taking the Word in and applying it to their life was not just hearing the Word, but it was making it their own. Not like a word of faith, but more like a word that becomes our own. Look at the, 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 in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says, Now the Bereans Jews were more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. The same word there. For they received it. They took it in. They took it in. They wanted to see if what he was saying was true. There is this actively receiving, aggressively receiving. This is the mark of those who truly know Christ. The reception of the teaching. The reception of God's instruments among them. See, as God uses people in front of us, God says, okay, now will you receive what I'm giving you? Will you accept it? Will you take it in? Or are you just going to be a hearer today? In 1 Corinthians 2.14, the same word is used once again. It says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The King James Version uses that same word, receiveth, but the natural man receiveth not. Basically, he's saying, when we don't accept what the Spirit is saying to us, it's the same word. We're not accepting it. We're not welcoming it. We're not bringing it in to us. We can sit in church every Sunday and not be moved or changed. That's what happens all across this country. Every Sunday, people sit in the service. They sit in their pew, but nothing happens to them. The Word is not alive to them. The Word doesn't come alive to them. But see, because the Thessalonians, they received what Paul was saying. They said, that's what I want. This is what I'm talking about a couple weeks ago when I'm talking about discipleship. It's getting in that stream. See, they got in the stream with Paul. They said, Paul, this is where you're going. We know that God is leading you. We know that God is directing you. So we're going to get in the stream with you. We want to follow you where you're going because we receive the word of God that is in you. We know that it's the true word of God. Spurgeon says this about these two words, and I think I've probably made a mess of them today, but I'm going to try one more time. Here we go. Spurgeon commenting on these two words, received and accepted rights. In the Greek, those two different words altogether. They are two different words altogether. The second received might perhaps be better read, accepted. I do not think that I should be straining a point if I read it, yea, 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 welcomed it. 
They first received it by eagerly hearing it. They wanted to know what it was all about. They, they were attentive to it. They wanted to understand it. They wanted to hear it. It was, it was, they were rejoicing and saying, yes, 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 that's the very thing we want. They embraced it. That word will do. They embraced it. They put their arms around it and they would not let it go. They were hospitable to the gospel and said, come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Come and live in our hearts. They assented and then they consented to the word of the Lord. I don't know how I can make it any more clear, but I think this is the revelation that when we truly understand that this is the Word of God and that we accept it, we pull it in and we say, yes, this is mine, this belongs to me. I understand it's from God. This is God's Word to me. That's when the power of God is expanded in us. That's what changed the Thessalonians. They understood this. The idea of taking it and receiving it from God. They heard the word, and then God acted on their minds and their hearts. He enabled them to receive the words that Paul was saying. How do you, why, why do you say, Greg, that God acted on their hearts? Because look at the very beginning, Paul says it like this. He says, we thank God continually because. Think about this. How many places did Paul go and he was stoned or he was thrown in prison or he was run out? See, this church, there was something different about them. They accepted the word. They received it. They heard it and then they took it in. They said, this belongs to us. They received that word. Paul was thanking the Lord for that because he knew that God is the only one that could do that. Remember last week when I was talking about Lydia in the in the city of Philippi. Remember we we talked about this scripture. It says one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And this, I think, is the part that that is the most. Devastating to me is that if God doesn't open our hearts, we're not going to understand it. We're not going to truly, we will have a head knowledge of it, but it won't, it won't, it won't get in, into us. God's saying, listen, that I will open your heart, that you'll be able to understand. In fact, John, Jesus says it like this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at that last day. Now you guys, you're saying, no, Greg, now a couple weeks ago you talked about the, uh, the whole idea of predestination and election. Are you dabbling over there again? Well, in a, in a way I'm saying, listen, that if it's the power of God that has to come into our hearts to be able to enable us to open our hearts to even be able to receive this word. And that's what happened to the Thessalonians. God opened their hearts so they could truly understand. They go, this is powerful. This is life changing. And it changed them. Remember, you will not find a lot of churches where Paul gives a compliment. He, did, he commends this church because there was something different about them. God had done this. They had heard the word, they received it, and they acted upon it. And it's in the past tense. See, God had already done this. God's glorious, compelling, and powerful spirit is pulling us and drawing us into that place. And they welcomed it. They didn't stone him. They didn't run him out of town. They, that's why Paul says, I thank the Lord. I thank God continually because I know that you received it. Because Paul's words... Were not just his words, but they were God's words. In fact, in Luke one thirty seven, it says, "For 
in the King James Version, which doesn't do a real good justice to this. It's for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And we hear that quoted all the time, but really the better translation is, for no word of God will ever fail. See, God's word is true. It stays. It, is, it remains. It doesn't return void. It is solid. When God, and that's why when, when they received this word, see, they were receiving something solid. They were receiving something of substance. They were receiving something that they could, they could bank their life upon. And that's what the Thessalonians did here. They said, this, I can grab a hold of this. I can receive this because this is real. And that's what he was telling them here. He said, because of this, for no word from God will ever fail. See, our biggest problem and our biggest disappointment when, they, when things don't seem to come to pass, and Ray Steadman said it like this, this is frequently the cause of our despondency, is it not? We discover that it is not that we are really reckoning upon God, the adequate one, to do anything He wants to do, but we are reckoning upon what we expect God to do, and when He does not act the way we think the, the way that we think he ought to act, our faith hits rock bottom. Now, there's the cause. I think we have put our finger here upon the major cause of despairing attitudes among Christians. Not only the unexpected turn of events, but also the unsuspected trust in ourselves. When it doesn't go the way I thought it was going to go, oh, God must have let me down. God didn't do it exactly the way I told Him to do it or I prayed about it this way and He was supposed to do it this way. I was supposed to have this. I was supposed to have more over here. And God says, in, in, in the midst of that, we don't let God be God. And then we're disappointed in Him. The last half of this verse here where it says, for the Word of God, which is indeed... This actually saying is, but what actually is. This word here in the Greek is alethos, and it means true or reality. The genuine, the authentic. He said, this word of God, which is indeed, this is actual, is at work in you who believe. This word work, in the Greek, it means this, it's Energetic. It's the word we get for English, energetic. To energize, to operate, to work effectively. It means power in exercise. It is that superhuman power. It is to work energetically, effectively, and efficiently. To put forth energy. It describes what God wants to do in our lives. It's that power that works within us. If we will allow it. See, that's what he's talking about here in Thessalonians. He's describing this power. It's like an electrical current. I can't see it, but I know it lights the bulb. I can't see what's going on underground, but I know that there's power. And God says that that's what's happening here. This, this, the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, when we believe it and we accept it as His, it's powerful. It's illuminating. It's energizing. The Amplified Version says it like this. So here's that scripture, Amplified. And we also especially thank God continually for this, that when you received the message of God, which you heard from us, you heard from human, hand, human voice, you welcomed it not as a mere word, not word of mere men, but as truly is. The Word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe, exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to and trust in and rely upon it. See, transformation takes effect when we receive that Word. I don't know how. I don't know the dynamics. But I know this. That is, if, if I will take a hold of the Word, if I will truly welcome it into my life, God says, listen, I'll transform you through that Word. 
Some of you right now are going, man, I'm wrestling with this area of my life. Let God transform you through His Word. Let His Word begin to change you. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you this morning, that Word is powerful. When I truly embrace it, when I truly take it in, when I truly welcome it and receive it, it's power to my life. It can change me. Some of you sit there, I can't seem to make any headway. Listen, His words, if I'll embrace it, is powerful. They welcomed the Word. They embraced the Word. They accepted this working Word which transformed their lives. This Word rejuvenates. This Word, when it's embraced, energizes. This Word transforms if we will yet allow it. The Holy Spirit will kill the sin and awaken the fruit. The church was suffering. This was a church that suffered. And in the midst of it, God gave them joy that sustained them. It performs the work. And in in fact, in in Hebrews 4.12, it says, Because the Word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Many people love to study the Bible, and I love Bible studies. But if it's not active and alive, it will do nothing for you except fill your head with knowledge. See, the Word of God has to be taken out of its sheath, the sword of the Spirit, and used. Sometimes that scalpel needs to come in and dissect areas of our life and remove things that don't belong. But that's what His Word is able to do. It is alive and active. It's the living Word of God. It's planted like a seed in us. And then it will produce fruit if we will just allow it. And how do we, how do we plant that seed? By receiving it. By taking it in. It's living, zeal. It's active. It's the same, the same root word as the word we were talking about before, energizes. That's what God's Word does to us. God's Word, His qualities of His Word are divine, living, effectual, cutting, excuse me, divine, living, effectual, cutting, piercing, discriminating, and revealing. All these things. Because the Thessalonians had allowed the Word of God to penetrate their lives extensively, deeply, and even intrusively. The deep recesses that can be hid were laid open. And the power of the Word of God was able to penetrate and pierce and change and transform. I don't know how I can say this, but I am telling you guys this morning, some of you, the desire of your heart to be where you need to be with God. God's saying, listen, you are going to find it as you embrace the Word. As you receive it. As you draw it in. You don't need all this other stuff. What you need is the Word of God drawn in. John Piper uses this little acronym. A-P-T-A-T. Turn the lights just for a second. A-P-T-A-T. A. Admit, Piper, you can do nothing. John 1, 15, 11. 15, 5. You can't do anything without God. Just admit it, say it to Him, say it to yourself, say it, I can't do anything. So you're walking into a situation and you say, can't do it. Can't do it. At least you can't do it with any spiritual effect. Second, A, P, pray. God help me. T, trust a specific tailor-made blood-bought promise. That's the key. 
Praying is key, but this is really at the heart of how God works. How the Holy Spirit, how the Word works. I'm after an explanation. What do you mean, Paul, when you say, the Word is at work in them? The Word is at work in them. How does it work? And I'm saying right here that we T, trust a specific tailor-made promise. I'm going to give you three examples in a minute. A-P-T-A. Act. You've got to act. You can't lie in bed waiting for God to act for you. You've got to get up and go to work. You got a hard phone call to make? Dial the numbers with your fingers, your will. Act. You got to do it. But you've just trusted. You just said you can't do it. You just cried out for help. You've just trusted a promise that he'll do it and help you do it. And now you're acting in reliance upon that coming true. That's what walking by faith. That's what walking by faith is. You're acting, but you're acting in faith. You're leaning on another. It's the miracle of the Christian life. For some of you, this is total foreign language. You don't even know what I'm talking about because you're not saved yet. You don't have the Holy Spirit. And the last one, T, admit, pray, trust, act. And when you're all done, thank Him. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping me again. I can't tell you how many times I've fallen on my face at the end of a passion in a hotel room saying, God, I don't know how I did that. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what that cost. Nobody knows what I was like when I was 15. Thank you. Go ahead and leave that off just for a second. This word received and acting it within us. It comes alive. What did it do for the Thessalonians? See this word? You became entertainers of us, meaning following Paul and Silas and Timothy and the Lord. Having received, aggressively taking that word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't that they were going to have these great, wonderful times. It was going to be that, that as they embraced this word, as this word became alive in them, they would have the joy of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the most desperate times. Some of you today, you're, you're, the difficulty that you're facing, maybe it's a family situation, maybe it's loss, maybe it's financial, whatever it is, God said, listen, in the midst of your tribulation, in the midst of your turmoil, I will give you joy if you will receive, if you'll draw in that word that is powerful and effective. It's strength. It's solid. It doesn't change. See, you don't tell me, and I don't tell you what a good Christian I am in the good times. It's when in the midst of family crisis that tells me who I am. It's in the midst of my difficulty that shows who I truly am in Christ. This morning as we close, I want you to know that this word, and I think Piper was trying to say it there, I don't understand exactly how it works. But as I receive it, as I take it in, it powerfully changes me. So I admit that I can't do it on my own. But I pray. And I trust. And then I act. And then I thank Him. 
Sometimes I have to thank him in advance. We prayed this morning. I'm thanking God in advance for something he's about to do. That's what Paul was saying here. I thank God continually because you received. This is my word to you guys today. I thank God continually. I cry out to God continually for you that you'll be able to not just hear it, but you'll be able to receive it, that you'll be able to take it in as your own. And that promise will become yours. That the word will not be dead in you anymore, but it will come alive. Some of you said, you know, I just, I don't even get in, have an interest in it anymore. God's saying, listen, just get interested in me. Get interested in me. Receive me. And you know what? You're going to see that wellspring grow up in us.